This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. As the announcer said, I am your host, your cruise director, your your uh, uh, guide through the ideas of law podcasting, Gordon Firemark. Thank you for being with me today. And uh, I, um, those some of you may have noticed that uh, we missed a week. Uh, normally, the show comes out on a weekly basis, and uh, our last episode, episode ten, was recorded now two weeks ago, uh, or published, I should say, two weeks ago, and that is um, the result of uh, scheduling issues, basically. And uh, so today, I want to talk a little bit about that kind of thing and what happens and um, and why consistency is important. So let's just jump in. I'll explain a little bit about what happened. So uh, two weeks ago when I published my last episode, I had several episodes sort of backed up and scheduled for recording. And, uh, you know, when dealing with lawyers, especially busy lawyers and the ones who podcast probably have a lot on their plate already, you know, we, we tend to take on more and, <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I had, I had a few appointments uh, scheduled for recording sessions. And, um, and then one fellow, um, just got busy. He ended up, uh, the day we were supposed to record, he wound up uh, in a hearing that went much longer than he expected. And we have not yet been able to reschedule that, that call. And then I had another appointment, um, uh, this time for today, actually scheduled to record this episode. So I just decided I would, I would skip the week and I would sort of trust that the listeners would understand and, uh, that, uh, skipping would not be a big problem. But, um, this morning when I set up to record and, and, uh, launched Skype and looked for my, uh, my guest to join me on the call, um, no sign of him. And, um, I'm going to presume that, uh, he had a, scheduling conflict, something came up, you know, again, busy lawyer, probably a hearing or a client matter that required his urgent attention. And I certainly can understand that. So, um, I looked at the calendar and I looked at the schedule and I realized I do have a few other, uh, people recording later this week, but I really didn't want to let it go another week before, uh, an episode came out. Um, and the reason for that is, uh, that I think consistency matters. Um, why does consistency matter? Well, you know, the listenership of a podcast uh, has a lot to listen to and a lot to choose from. And you want to be able to be predictable. You want to be able to be relied upon. And frankly, as lawyers, that's an important thing we want to convey <laughs> to our audiences uh, of prospective clients as well as referral sources and so on is that we do um, deliver on our promises and, and do things as scheduled and as planned whenever possible. So, um, but podcasting generally uh, benefits from consistency and being in the habit of producing that episode every week or every month or whatever. It doesn't matter quite so much how often you you publish, but that you establish and stick to a schedule so that your listeners can say in their mind, oh yeah, there should be another episode of that show that I like listening to and uh, – and you know, and then go and find it. And when you disappoint them once or twice or more than that, uh, it starts to be a um, uh, a negative thing. And they may conclude that the show is what they call pod faded, and that means that essentially it has uh, died off and isn't being produced anymore. And they may choose to unsubscribe from listening. So 
giving them an episode as as frequently as you can and close to a schedule as you can is, I think, hugely important. And that is why I'm recording this episode by myself solo and uh, uh, and giving you this bit. So what we're going to do uh, with the rest of today is talk a little bit about having a backup plan and um, and then generally about planning and the tools and uh, – and um, software and equipment and th- so on that I use to uh, produce my shows so that you can get a sense of how accessible this is, but also some of the things that need to be done in planning and preparing a show. If you are a podcaster, you already know this, but you may uh, take some ideas away from from uh, this conversation or this discussion, and uh, I hope that this is helpful. If you're not yet a podcaster, I will show you, I think, I hope, how how relatively easy uh, this is for those of us lawyers who, who are um, you know already adept at getting organized and and working according to a plan and and uh, getting our output output <laughs> and that kind of thing. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break for a sip of water and then I will come back and we will talk a little bit about backup plans. All right, well I'm back and uh, you know I just want to say like everything we do, it, it is wise for us to have a contingency plan. In this case, I had the contingency plan that if if I had um, uh, a vacancy in the schedule and I didn't have an episode um, already planned to, to to go for a particular day, I could reach into my file and pull out. Um, basically, it's a it's an outline, a list of ideas of things to talk about uh, in, in this context that that would be valuable and useful to you, the audience. And uh, I think that's really what's key. And it doesn't, you know, depends on how you do your show. But uh, having a a plan for your your episodes is, uh, I think, a, a wise thing to do. Now, you may decide that when you when you launch a podcast that you want to have a plan for the whole, you know, month, year, whatever of your show, and uh, be ready to, you know, record episode after episode so that you can put things out in a linear fashion, if that's your particular style, if you are teaching, for example, or if you are doing a a, um, piece about substantive law, a podcast about substantive law issues, it makes sense to, you know, start at the beginning and and work your way through and cover those substantive issues in an organized and logical fashion. Uh, I will caution that sometimes organized and logical for lawyers isn't as easy to follow for non-lawyers. <laughs> so you want to think hard about your teaching style and the teaching or, or the, the method that you use to convey things and making sure that the chunks are the right size for consumption by your intended audience and so on. But the, the bottom line is you want to have a plan so that you don't wind up in this trap of having to cram and, and uh, uh, beat your head against the desk trying to figure out what you're going to talk about on your podcast episode that's due now today because it's been a couple of weeks since you put one out and uh, something fell through or whatever. Um, so having a plan is is key. And uh, the way I do it is I use uh, uh, software applications to uh, uh, to organize my thoughts to get things essentially down onto paper so that I can then retrieve them when needed. And uh, I actually do this for every episode that I produce. Um, and I'll tell you some of the tools that I use. Um, I start with uh, basically just a plain text editor. You could use a word processor for this, of course, but there's no real need for the formatting. And uh, you know, you're not going to be necessarily going to be printing this stuff out. Uh, and even if you are, it's only for yourself, so it doesn't matter that it looks pretty. The key is get that text down into your device or onto your computer or onto paper or something in 
in the fastest, cleanest fashion that doesn't require any thinking or, or you know, get it down. Um, so I use a I use a text editor uh, called Byword on my uh, uh, my computer and my iDevices, and I really like it. It really just sort of gets out of the way. I actually have it set up to be white text on a black screen, and there's nothing else on the screen. You don't see anything. I type away. Um, um, and so when I am writing narrative kinds of chunks of things, that's what I use. But for writing podcast, we're planning a podcast episode. I find that either outliners or mind mapper tools are really great for this. And um, I sort of go back and forth between an outliner uh, and a mind mapper, depending on sort of the just how I'm feeling that day and when I'm planning and what and whatnot, and sort of how linear I feel the uh, my thoughts are about a particular subject or whatever. So. Um, uh, I'm a Mac user. Um, it's just as easy to find these tools for PC, of course, or or Linux for those of you out there that are uh, uh, on the bleeding edge of things. Um, I use a tool called Omni Outliner. It's from a company called Omni Group, and I find it to be fantastic. What I really like is that it's got a great iPad version. So I can go and plan an episode while sitting at a Starbucks or having lunch at a restaurant um, with nothing but my, my iPad. And... Um, it does sync up across, and if you have the the uh, desktop version of the software, it will show up there as well. Another nice feature is that I can um, cut and paste or, or or export the outline from an Omni Outliner uh, application and drop it into a text editor. Excuse me, a text editor or. Uh, uh, or Evernote or something like that. There are other outlining tools out there, and I recommend you know finding one that works. Um, that may just be inside your word processing application as well. So, um, outlining is a great way to do things. You hit the bullet points, and you can elaborate. Uh, you know, as we lawyers uh, are want to do in in court or in our negotiations or discussions or deal making, whatever. Uh, I think this is a great way to go. Mind mapping is a little different. And um, for those who haven't tried mind mapping, this is a, uh, a thought organization system, I guess you could call it, that, that evolved you know, quite some time ago uh, and now has been really uh, facilitated by the use of technology. And but, but to start off, imagine you start with a blank piece of paper and you decide that you're going to um, develop some kind of a content, and this works for blogging as well, or creating videos, or or um, writing articles, or, or anything. Um, you're going to do a topic, so you start with a center of the page. You just jot down the topic, and perhaps draw a circle or a box around it, and then you start taking branches off of that for the various ideas and concepts that go into that particular topic. And from each of those, you then branch off further and further and further. You're sort of creating a tree of ideas and sub-ideas and concepts and, and things like that. And, um, and you don't necessarily have to draw connecting lines between these things at the, at the beginning. In fact, many people advocate just uh, you know, sort of free writing these ideas all out onto the page and getting everything out of your head and in front of you. And then you can go about circling and connecting and, and you know, numbering and putting things into a, a sequence that sort of makes, uh, makes sense either from a, um, an organizational pedagogical kind of an approach or just, you know, feels right to you or whatever. Um, many of the tools out there that I, well, I use one called iThoughts, uh, which is an iPad, uh, tool. And it does have a Mac version that I don't bother to use because I find that looking at it on the, uh, on the iPad is, is sort of the best for me. And it's very easy to create new branches and sub branches and, and all of that. And, um, and also to tell the software to lay it out in different ways. 
There are others out there. Another one called MindMeister, which uh, I believe is has an iPad, uh, an iPhone uh, version, but I think it's actually a desktop version. And um, again, many other mind mapping tools out there, uh, varying varying levels of cost and expense. And I think it's a great way, especially when you have sort of not a very well organized um, idea of what you're going to talk about in your head. You can sort of dump it all onto the page or onto that mind map, and then you can move things around and sequence them in a way that, that makes uh, the most sense uh, from a linear storytelling or logical uh, teaching kind of an approach. Uh, another tool that I use, and I mentioned it already, is Evernote. What I like about this is that it's cross-platform, and it's usable on tablets and phones and computers and, and even on the web. Uh, wherever you are, you can use this. Uh, Evernote is a note-taking application, basically, that allows you to capture... Anything, pretty much. Pictures, websites, uh, text, um, audio recordings, pretty much anything you want to capture, you can do in Evernote. And uh, as we speak right now, I am working from an outline I created in Omni Outliner that has been imported into Evernote uh, because Evernote allows me to basically have uh, sort of an index card view of all my my episodes that I have planned. And uh, so I just opened up the episode um, the, my standby episode here and, um, I had this outline and then I added into it my uh, little introduction that I was going to say about why I'm doing it this way today. And, and, uh, and here we are. So I'm about halfway through that outline now. Evernote is the tool that I prefer to use. And, uh, what I love about it again is I can be out and about and if I have a thought while I have my iPhone in hand, I can just dump it into Evernote and it will be there for me when I launch on the desktop or on the iPad or whatever when I'm working later. Another tool that is pretty important for podcasting is an image editing tool. You know, you're using um, you're using uh, podcasting, but in you know every podcast is at its sort of heart a, a, like a blog, and the best blog posts are the ones that are illustrated with images and um, oftentimes images with text. Nowadays, you've all seen the kinds of images, but also images are great and important in using social media to promote your podcast episodes. Um, you definitely want to have some cover art for your show, and you may choose to have a graphic artist create some cover art for you. But for each episode that comes out, I recommend creating some kind of a of an art uh, piece that is going to be symbolic of that particular episode. Now, on my show, on this show, when I interview a, uh, a guest, that symbolic art is usually a portrait photograph of the guest. Um, when I am doing a, uh, a narrative like this, uh, a lesson or a lecture, I will try to come up with something a little clever or a little interesting to look at that's just visually captivating. And I'll try to use that as the image that, that appears on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Pinterest. And I guess I'm going to start using um, Instagram as well. Uh, and we'll come to social media in a, in a later discussion. But uh, when you're creating these illustrations, you want to have a tool, and you can, you know, you can use Photoshop if you have it. I think it's overkill for this kind of a thing. Um, uh, if you are on an open source uh, kick, you can use something like GIMP, which stands for GNU Image Manipulation Program. There are other apps out there for the Mac uh, called Pixelmator and Acorn, and there's one on the web that is really gaining a lot of traction. It is called Canva, C-A-N-V-A. And uh, this allows you to upload your material or also to find backgrounds and other things on there and add text and 
lots of different layouts and patterns and design things, you know, and, and it's, it's free to use. Um, they do have sort of value add when you want to use certain backgrounds and certain images, they will charge you a dollar for this and a dollar for that and so on. But, uh, it is possible to use it for free and create very nice looking illustrations and graphics and things for your, for your podcast episodes and your blog posts and so on. And I strongly recommend, uh, finding something that you, if you already have it on your computer, great use Photoshop or whatever. But, uh, if not, uh, I think uh, Canva is a great choice for most people. So some other tools that are really nice to have um, uh, are a text expansion application. And uh, let me tell you what I do. I have uh, an app called Text Expander that I've used to set up some canned pre-completed, you know, pre-written messages that I use repeatedly over and over again. I actually have hundreds of these snippets, as they're called, um, set up for uh, one thing or another. And um, one of the things that I use them for is the invitation to a guest to come on the show. And then the confirmation message that also goes to that guest. And then the thank you message that goes out after the show to the guest that makes sure I hit all the points that I want to hit. Essentially, it's a form letter. And it will feel like that sometimes. Um, you are able to set up the one that I use, Text Expander, which is a Mac tool, to actually prompt for a name or a date or an episode number and those kinds of things. So I found that this makes it very easy. And all. now really the, the, the big work is me remembering to follow the sequence when, when the episode, uh, is when I'm planning the episode and, and have finished recording it. Uh, and so, um, again, in, in my Evernote outline for each episode, I actually have little reminders to send that message out, send this message out at this time. So once I uh, book the, once I choose the person I'm going to invite, I start by finding, uh, finding out a little bit about them, get the, uh, the contact information, and I send them that invitation that explains to them what the show is about and uh, who I am and, and why we're doing this and, uh, and then invites them to visit my scheduling tool, which I'll talk about next, and, and book an appointment for us to talk. And um, once the scheduling tool has done its work and they have uh, – uh, we've agreed on a date and time to do the show. Uh, they will receive the next message, which is the confirmation, which asks them for a photograph and a bio so I can do the introduction properly and um, sort of sell, tells them here the kinds of questions we'll be talking about. And uh, please let me know if there's anything else. And by the way, how do I contact you by Skype? Uh, and then after we have recorded the show, uh, the third message goes out that is, thank you so much for, your, for being on the show. Your episode is number XYZ, whatever it is. And, uh, and here's when I expect that it will be published. And, um, you know, if you don't mind, please uh, share it on social media. Let, let the world know. And then usually when it actually goes published, uh, I send a final uh, thank you note expressing again my gratitude and uh and again reminding them you know it's live now here's the link if you don't mind sending it out for social media that would be terrific etc and i find that that is very helpful in attracting an audience and and expanding the audience because each person who comes on the show has their own audience and um by inviting them they discover my show so now let me talk a little bit about that scheduling tool it is the one I use is called schedulewonce.com. And um, I don't have an affiliate link or anything for them, although I probably ought to. Uh, but I, I can't recommend this tool or tools like it highly enough. You may find something else is better for you. But I use it in my law practice as a way of um, encouraging um, the tire kickers to set up a very short appointment with me. Um, 
Um, and I, I take a, you know, a few of those a week only and, and they have to schedule them with me. If it's important to them, they will do so. And if not, then they will not, <laughs> you know, they don't want to schedule something weeks out. Um, I also use it for scheduling, um, office consultations, video conferences, those kinds of things. And then I use it for setting up the appointments for the show. And the way it works is I send the, uh, the person, the invitee, uh, basically, uh, to a web page, I've set up a, a, a short link that they can go to that takes them to this web page on Schedule Lunch's uh, system that watches my calendar and invites them to choose a time, depending on which kind of an appointment they're setting up, that fits into my schedule. And I usually ask them to choose several times, and that allows me to then select the one that works best for me, so that I'm not overbooking myself on a particular day. Those kinds of things. They then receive an, um, uh, a confirmation from Schedule Once that set all, that actually sets the appointment in my calendar and theirs all automatically, so that uh, I don't have to enter it three places and those kinds of things. And um, and then out go those uh, that email sequence that I was telling you about. And so that's Schedule Once, and I, I highly recommend adopting something like this. The less time we as lawyers spend on the phone penciling things into our calendars and so on. Now, if you have an assistant, a secretary or admin assistant who does these kinds of things for you, fantastic. I mean, more power to you. But um, with automation tools nowadays, it's getting easier and easier to do these things for ourselves with very little hands-on intervention required. And so um, if you're a solo and you don't have an assistant or you don't want to burden your assistant with that kind of thing, uh, because you'd rather have them doing some research or those kinds of things. That's the uh, the way to go. Um, anyway, so Schedule Once is the tool that I use there. I know there are several others out there, and in fact, I'd invite uh, in the show notes uh, um, for episode eleven. That is lawpodcaster.com slash eleven. If you have a tool that you think is is worthwhile that I should add to this uh, list of tools that I use, um, please do. Please do. And these are the tools I say involved in, in planning the episodes though. In another, another episode, I will talk about the tools that I use, uh, to actually produce and post-produce and publish the episode. But, um, but for now that's sort of the planning, um, end of things. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm always looking for better and newer tools to do these things, but, uh, Right now, these, these are the ones that uh, are, are working for me, and uh, I, I commend them to you as well. What I'd like to do next is talk a little bit about the workflow for the show. I've already done that a little bit, so let me just pick up with that and, and sort of tell you how I prepare this show, which is the interview format show. And then I'll also talk you through how I prepare for my, my other show. This is the one that I've, I did, um, I've been doing now for a number of years called Entertainment Law Update. First, let's talk about the workflow for this show. Uh, first off, I do some research. I try to identify prospects as guests. You know, who, who should I bring on the show next? Who will fit uh, into, the, into the flow of things a little bit? And, and frankly, you know, finding lawyers who podcast is not as easy as it, as it could be if it was, you know, comedians who podcast or something like that. So uh, finding lawyers who have podcasts and, and – um, and our, um, you know, sort of simpatico is, is a, a little bit of a challenge. And I spend a little bit of a time every, every week when I record the episode, I usually finish up. And while it's doing some processing, I will poke around and see if I can identify my next few guests. Um, and then I send them that email that I mentioned 
to you and ask them to visit schedule once to, uh, to log in and, and select a time or two that works for them. I then send them that confirmation email that asks them for a photo and a bio and provides some samples of, of the kinds of questions, the outline of the show and so on. And I, I keep that as a template in my Evernote as well. So that when I am preparing my next episode, I just copy and paste and I've got the template and uh, we can go from there. I do try to mix up the questions a little bit, but as you'll have heard from listening, I'm trying to get the same, you know, the, the responses from many people to these same kinds of questions. Um, so we can see the variety of things. Once I get that photo and the bio and so on, I will paste those into my Evernote note as well. And I'll do a little more research, investigating more about the interviewee, making some notes in my planning for the episode in Evernote or, or in the outliner if I'm using it. Um, and I'll sort of try to, you know, plan what the question format of things will be. And I, I don't spend a great deal of time on this 10 or 15 minutes per, per episode, I would say goes into crafting the specific interview questions that are going to get, um, get asked and so on. Um, and then as I learn more about the, the, the interviewee, I will add more of that kind of stuff to it as well. Um, I also sometimes, uh, uh, you know, just set up an, a, an extra Evernote document or, or sometimes in uh, Byword just for random notes that sort of relate to the episode and I'll make a, a reference to that so I can find it. Then when I'm actually recording the episode, so once we've we've figured out the date and so on and so forth, we wait till that comes, we connect via Skype and I launch the recording software and uh, actually I record on an outboard device but I use other software to uh, play the music and those kinds of things. So I get all set up for that and then I go ahead and record. Um, while we're recording, I try to take notes about the interview, either in a new Evernote document or in all caps in the existing. I haven't exactly figured out what's best for this. But these become the the notes that become the blog post that goes with the episode when it's published. Once we've finished recording, I'll say thank you and sign off from the Skype call. And then we go into the post-production process, which for me... Uh, is relatively streamlined, and that's something I'll talk about in another episode. I have some a very effective tools and a workflow that really has I've narrowed it down so it only takes a few minutes uh, per episode. Once we've finished recording, uh, I can usually step away from my desk in 15 minutes after that. Um, and then I follow up with the thank you emails that I mentioned earlier and asking that they share on social media. And then the same thing when it goes live, uh, the day the, the show goes live on the web and in iTunes, I will again remind my uh, my guests to uh, to let their folks know, and then I do my own social media posting as well. And um, this is an area that I want to share. Also, I I have a virtual assistant, uh, a young woman who lives in the Philippines, who uh, I have outsourced some of the sort of administrivia in my practice uh, and in my media area, and uh, she does a nice job. I've I've created for her sort of some templates and. And checklists and workflows, and that's really key when you're working with someone. Um, you do have to train them, and when they're not in your space, it's very hard for them to ask you a question in real time and get answers. So you really have to sort of think through the system, the process of what you're what you're going to have them doing, and give them that that information. And uh, I think in another one of my backup episodes, when the time comes, I will talk a little more about working with virtual assistants and volunteers and, and people who were helping with the show. And I mentioned volunteers and um, I want to come to that in just a moment because my other show, I use some volunteer contributors. I used to call them interns, but uh, um, 
in my practice in entertainment law, we're seeing a lot of news about Hollywood's interns not being interns at all and being subject to wage and hour rules and things like that. So I have uh, shifted my approach to that to be very clear with them and the outside world about what's going on here. And uh, we'll talk about that again in in a minute. So anyway, my virtual assistant posts to social media throughout the week using an online tool called Buffer, which allows her to once a day schedule five or six or 10 uh, messages that I want to send out to my Twitter feed and Facebook um, uh, stream and those kinds of things, uh, promoting the various things that I have to promote. Sometimes it's my most recent blog post. Sometimes it's a podcast episode. And so what I have her doing is cycling through a podcast episode, a YouTube video, uh, a a blog post I may have written, and maybe just a news article that someone else has written that I've discovered that I think is useful to my audience. Uh, And uh, I have a a few other systems for getting more of that kind of content curated and out to my audience as well. Um... And uh, that's something I'll talk about a little bit more uh, uh, again another time. Um, so my other show, and, and I'll wrap this up fairly quickly, the other show is called Entertainment Law Update. If you'd like to check it out, it's at entertainmentlawupdate.com. And um, it is a monthly show. So back to what I was saying about that scheduling earlier. It, I don't think it matters as much that you do a show every single week if, if there's just going to be too much of a challenge getting the content out on a weekly basis. Do it monthly, but declare that it's monthly and be true to that monthly schedule as best you can. Um, The workflow for Entertainment Law Update is a little different because we are giving essentially news and commentary on the news in the field of entertainment law. So each day, both I and this volunteer staff of mine that I was mentioning um, are watching the news, the trade publications, the legal publications, and so on, for story ideas. And we've set up um, uh, on delicious.com a way of tagging and, and, and sort of bookmarking those stories so that we can all see what each other are identifying. And then once a, once a week, we meet for about a half an hour, 45 minutes, and we do this virtually. We meet via Google Plus Hangout to talk over the stories and I let them sort of pitch me the ideas for the stories as well as me pitching them my ideas and and we sort of shape the structure of the rundown document of the show. And that's a document we create in Google Drive, the Google Documents uh, tool. Just a, you know, a word processing document that has the uh, uh, the rundown of what we're going to talk about in the show story idea and a link to the news article that we've referred to or the news articles. Oftentimes we have many links and um, we create that rundown every, every week we have that meeting and we add to the rundown. We may decide a story is no good anymore, whatever, we'll take it out. And then the week before the show is recorded, the volunteer contributors will actually sit down and write summaries of the, of the stories that we're going to cover. We usually have, you know, six or eight, stories plus some follow-ups from stories we covered earlier where there's been a little bit of new news or something like that. And the show becomes about an hour long in its format. So let me tell you about who I use as volunteers because this may be instructive for other lawyers out there. Um, I'm fortunate to be practicing in an area of entertainment law where it's it's a hot property. You know, A lot of law students think it's an exciting area to work in and, or at least have that impression. And, uh, and so they want to practice in this area. So finding people to volunteer to work on an entertainment law related anything is less of a challenge than I suspect it would be if I did insurance defense work or something like that. 
so I, I have uh, established relationships with several of the local law schools here in LA and, and some at a distance as well. Actually, one of my first interns was um, in Boston at, um, at BU, I think. And uh, no, Brandeis. And um, anyway, so we, we have this weekly meeting of, of these law students who are from several different schools. And that's another great thing for them is they get the advantage of having a little network started and, and getting to know some people at other schools and things like that. Anyway, so we will, uh, I basically have them briefing cases. They tend to be second and third year law students who've had some exposure to copyright law, which is sort of fundamental in, in the field of entertainment. So um, anyway, they're, they're, they're very good. And, and I, I work with a team of anywhere from two to four or five at a time, depending on the semester and so on. Anyway, the night before we record our show, and I have a co-host, by the way, who also participates in the tagging of the story ideas and things like that. Um, the night before the show, we, she and I both go through our, our rundown and polish things up and punch up the language a little bit here and there and sort of make it our own, uh, so that it, it is our, our voice rather than our interns briefing, uh, or our volunteers, I should say, briefing things. Um, and we'll post, you know, maybe a question here or there or something that, you know, we want to, how do we want to handle this or whatever. And then on the day of the show, um, we connect by Skype. She is in the Dallas, Texas area. I'm in Los Angeles. And so we have a little time difference. So anyway, we have a scheduled standing appointment each month to record the show. We record, we do the post process very similar to what I described uh, before. And then the virtual assistant goes to work and takes that document from Google Documents and turns it into the blog post that will become the carrier for the podcast episode. She submits that to me for approval. Once I approve it and I, I go in and I then attach the media file, and we publish the episode and go about um, the social media promotional process and, uh, and then lather, rinse, and repeat. And that is how we produce our episodes. Uh, a little bit about our planning and our philosophy and our workflow. And, uh, and that's what happens with Entertainment Law Update and Law Podcaster. Well, that is about it for this episode. I think I've covered quite a lot, actually. And... Uh, used the time fairly effectively. I just want to say thank you for joining me. And um, if you are interested in learning more about how to podcast yourself, please do consider heading on over to lawpodcasting.com and get our free guide. And until next time, I'll say keep on podcasting.